Good morning, July 2nd. Welcome to Leather and Limits. With me, as always, is the Imperatrix Knox. Hello. And we are here to finally get to our episode 23 drill down. Master Slave Dynamics Part 2. I didn't actually mean to skip over my birthday, but, you know, <laughs> zombies happen, and I was one of them. Uh, that, that was that was all around a zombie warning. Oh, God, it was. It wasn't even a zombie apocalypse, unless you just count myself in my own home. Uh, no. No, that was, that was one of those days you wake up, and I was like, yeah, I'm not done sleeping yet. Nope. Not done. Roll back over, and then I get a text message. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Hey, I'm sorry I overslept. And I'm like, oh, joke's on you. I did too. <laughs> Pretty okay. much. Okay. It happens. It does. Such is life. I'm not 22 anymore. I don't go four days without sleep and then laugh. I, you know. Right. I wish, but no. <sighs> okay. Well, I mean, we covered... A lot of the social structure, the the bigger parts of this, so to speak. I say bigger, it's not really bigger, so much as the, the primary structural parts. But I realized we never actually covered, like, finer details. Not that there's a universal framework for everything. But the whole point of it being a drill down is I really wanted to dig into the meat of what makes a master-slave dynamic look like a master-slave dynamic beyond the, there's more rules. Because that's easy enough to say, but that doesn't mean people know what that actually means. Especially in context of what we were saying last time about, you know, the whole reason it's very common to find dominant subrelations, especially with a new couple who've never been in kink before. Mm -hmm. And it ends up being effectively a master-slave dynamic, even though they don't know what that actually looks like. Not yet. But because that's what their exposure to media has been. It's their natural default to, oh, it's supposed to look like this. Yeah. And that is a completely, completely understandable thing. But I think it means people don't always realize protocol is a big part of it, too. You're absolutely correct, Dot. Um, not because protocol can't exist elsewhere, but you do definitely find it more prevalently in master-slave dynamics for obvious reasons. Because it is kind of part of the point. It is. It is. And I think, I think too, that, hmm, I'll call it a deeper connection, maybe. I think that's the draw. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, I think. A deeper, a, a deeper connection, maybe. There's a different level of, not intimacy, because that's a misnomer, mm -hmm. but there's definitely a different layer of connection, networking connection mm -hmm. between the two of you. It's not just emotional, but. I don't know if there's an actual word for it that works, not specifically, because <laughs> it's not taking away from, say, a dominant submissive relationship or anything right. else. The right. intimacy is there. The emotions are there. If that's your particulars and it's, you know, if the sexuality is there, it's part of that. All of those things mm -hmm. are there in all of those. Mm -hmm. But the dedication level required to be in a master slave dynamic is different. Mm -hmm. And there's I agree. There's never been an actual word for it that anyone's actually come up with that's just for that as a label. But it does exist. Like, that is an actual thing, even though we don't have a particular word that fits it. Because I do absolutely look at them differently, and I have to. 
I mean, that's a good point. I don't, I don't know that it requires more trust. I do think that, it, yeah, there, there isn't really a great word for it yeah. because I think, because when you say dedication, you, you do kind of automatically, you're, you're throwing shade on the other Without dynamics. meaning to, yeah. Without it's... meaning to. And it's, it's, everyone is dedicated. I mean, consistency. Right. Another one, right? Consistency is to me the other facet of keeping it motivated. You know, I feel I feel like with stereotypical DS relationships, motivation is easier because the connection is usually player sex based. Whereas I feel like with MS, because you're delving into true daily living, you have to have it permeate kind of everything or you lose the motivation. Agreed. Which is kind of the point of why protocol existed in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like I won't say that you can't find it in dominant subdynamics. It's just that it, I think a large part of that is also remembering that once upon a time, master slave was the default, so to speak, as mm-hmm. it were, at least in the sense of how we look at it as a community. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. In that there was that auto layer of dedication because it was essentially considered a 24-7. This was always on, so to speak. There was yeah. no switch off. Um, but that was also in a different worldview, and it was less for one thing, it was less heteronormative. Let me be very clear on that, because that does actually make a difference in that, considering mm-hmm. the time era where it was. You know, the 60s, the 70s, even the 80s a gay couple did not engage with the same issues with having children, etc., because it was less common for them to even talk about having them for their own mm-hmm. safety back then. And that does play a part of it, even though it's not it's not the nice part of that conversation or the sociality of the time, but it is true. Mm-hmm. It does play a part in why those dynamics existed the way they did then. It was yeah. as much safety as anything else for them to keep it within themselves. Whereas nowadays you have people who are dom sub simply because, as we've said before, 24-7 is a almost impossible thing to truly achieve by itself. Mm-hmm. But you do definitely find less commonly non-sexual dynamics amongst dominant submissives as opposed to master-slave. And I think part of that is because it does usually have that either sexual or play energy involved or both. Strictly my opinion, and you know, it's not like I polled 500 people and came up with a number, but in my own observations, I think it's become, you will find more non-sexual master-slave dynamics than you will dominant sub-dynamics, simply Mm -hmm. because it's more common to crave that level of dedication regardless of sexual charge. And I think that's the key, because especially, and and those of us that have been in long-term relationships know there's an ebb and flow to that too, just with oh, life. Yes. So if it is based purely on sex, it's not going to be a sustainable thing. No. Because you just, you can't. Sex cannot be the, ba- sex can be the, the initial reason why you get together for it. And, you know, the sexy time is so fun. But if it's, if the entire relationship is predicated on sex, it's, it's just not going to last. No. You have to connect outside of the bedroom. Well, yeah, because at the end of the day, a relationship is still relationship, and it Mm -hmm. does require all of the things that a relationship does above and beyond what's happening sexually, and any non-sexual one even more so. Because you do have to look at all the other layers of communication, camaraderie, intimacy, and it's really easy for people to think of intimacy and immediately think sexually, which is understandable, Mm -hmm. 
because that's a very normal Western thought process. Well, it's also a big motivation factor. I mean, sex is a motivator for all of us. No. So, I mean, you you can't, you definitely can't ignore it. It just can't be the foundation. Right. Exactly. Well, and it shouldn't be. It may be a wonderful (laughs) side effect, as it were. (laughs) Thank you for letting me touch your junk. Basically. I mean... Yeah, the analogy sounds silly, but it's accurate. It's, you know, ultimately it's, hey, we've already decided we want to touch each other's junk. What about the rest of things? Um, mm-hmm. And that does Because you know there part. has to be more. Like, come on, there's more. Well, because if there's not, then why are you looking for dedication? I mean, and I, I know there's like 15 answers to that technically. I'm not actually like trying to blow off. It's that if your focus is sexual. Mm-hmm. It's just as easy to say, well, I'll just meet you next week. And there's a lot less of the expectation of true intimacy the same way. Not because you can't, it's just that there's less imperative, Mm -hmm. as it were. I see what you did there. I didn't mean to, but it works. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, I mean, it's, it's definitely... I don't know. I feel like the time invested, you know, the amount of just mental effort to keep everyone, keep your head in the game, but to keep focused and centered and fulfilled and to keep the relationship progressing forward. And in MS dynamics, it is, it's harder. It is. Very, very hard. There's a lot of people that I think they see because of the protocol Outside looking in, things look very simple. It looks regimented. Oh, I know what to expect. Um, it looks like the fantasy, so to speak. It absolutely looks like the fantasy. And then people start doing it and realize, ugh, I have to constantly remind you. Oh, I'm dealing with your insecurities. Oh, Who told no, me? I don't want to. No one told me it was yeah. all this work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I, and I would 100% agree that the mental aspect is what makes it more intimate. 100% that. Um <laughs> I feel that that mental connection and building that intimacy is actually what people are craving. And that's what makes the sex better. I'll agree with that. They're not. Yeah. Because the role play bare bones. If you looked at it for the role play protocol, sexy, having somebody under your control, that's prancing around and whatever you want them to wear, doing all the cute little sexy tasks that you want them to do to shake their ass at you. Yeah. Yeah, It's fun. It's great. Especially for like a night or a weekend, whatever. It's absolutely amazing. And don't get me wrong. When you're talking. You're "Hmm." a little biased, but. Yes. That's true. And I, and I own that because power exchange is my main kink. So I, I totally own that. But mental connection and how well you have to get to know someone to establish a true power exchange. That's the sexy part for me. Yes. Me beating your ass is a vehicle to get you to pay attention better. To it's me. a lovely side effect. And us. Absolutely. <laughs> not even that's side the, effect. That's, that's the fun. Not side effect. Yeah. It's bonus. It's gravy, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to call it. It's it's the extra yeah. benefits of. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes the sex better. Oh, you God, have to yes. have, in my opinion, if you if you are going to do power exchange and you want to have someone that's going to be around you for longer than a week or a month, you have to do a serious investment with each other. Yes. Equally. 
Oh, God, yes. I mean, it's not it's not just a matter of a submissive taking a bunch of orders and saying, yeah, OK, I'm OK with this. No, it, the, the submissive has to be advocating for themselves and equally as invested and involved in setting up the parameters of what that power exchange looks like. Yes. For the dominant to have any kind of fulfilling engagement. Well, yeah, it's still it's just not an it's not an immediate. Like if you're not mm -hmm. getting both sides of it, what are you really getting? We'll play. I mean, I mean, and and I and I don't mean to make it sound shitty like that, but truly, but it's not. At this, it's not it's shitty. Play. It's just the truth. Like it's mm -hmm. the whole reason master slave dynamics work is you're taking the fantasy, everything you really wanted when you first thought about the sexy time of kink and everything that goes with it, and all these wonderful things that make us turned on and sexually charged, and you're looking at what is effectively the quintessential first thought for most people when they think BDSM. You're thinking of a slave on her knees. It's unfortunately usually heteronormative, so we'll just go with it for mm -hmm. the moment. Anyone who's listening who is not heteronormative, I'm not saying you don't exist. Just so we're clear, it's just mm -hmm. let's be honest for a minute. Heteronormativity is still the norm and the most yeah. common numbers. Mm -hmm. So for most people, they think BDSM to a friend of theirs, and the first image that comes to their mind is someone on their knees in leather or whatever with a collar looking up at someone. It's an immediate image for a lot of people. It's a natural image because it's default. Now, how mm -hmm. that actually looks is another story. But that's the image that's evoked, and it's evoked for a reason. It's a fantastical idea, and it's sexually charged. In order for that to work, there's work involved. It's not as simple as, well, just get on your knees. Well, that's great, but now what? <laughs> Absolutely. Because... Okay, you're on your knees. Now you're sitting there thinking to yourself, well, I got her on her knees. Now what the fuck do I do? I mean, mm -hmm. and there's some people that have a harder time with that than others, but we're, you know, dominance itself was its own episode for a reason. We're not going to roll over that all over mm -hmm. again. We don't need to beat the dead horse. No, no. But there's a reason, you know, we covered it with protocol as well. There, all of these things we covered in our 101s was there for a reason, and it, it connects mm -hmm. to this. It's why protocol is important. It's why dominance is important and the responsibility that goes with it. Not because submissives are less important. It's that it's an equal exchange. And in order for both sides to get fulfillment, both sides have to get something. Mm -hmm. And it does require the dominant to take the responsibility of facilitating that. Not by themselves or single-handedly, but most of the workload falls on the dominance specifically on purpose. It's literally what we're volunteering for. Setting up structure, building rules and protocols, and rituals. Rituals are such a key component of keeping that fantastical mindset fixed in your brains. When you're knee-deep at work, especially if you work a blue-collar job as opposed to a white-collar job. You know, you're knee-deep in whatever you're pounding away at, factory, cement, vet, pit, whatever. You're knee-deep in what you're doing. The last thing on your mind is anything sexy. <laughs> and then you get that moment from whether it was your dom or your sub that sends you that text, and it puts you right back into focus. That's the point. That right there is a great example of the point of why we do it that way. Mm -hmm. It's not just for the fantasy. It's to maintain the mindset when you can't otherwise without working at it. And that's why I visualize it. With layers. Oh, you know, yes. You have the base layer of you, how you communicate, your base needs. Like, you've got that basic sense of self. Here I am. That's yes. That's, everybody has that base layer. And you have, add a relationship on top of that. It's another layer. 
Then you add power exchange. So even for the average kinky person, power exchange is not something that they're engaging in. And so then when you right. start talking about MS dynamics, people, I think people forget how, you know, and we covered how they all differ, but I think people forget how it affects your mindset when you're not together, especially. So yes, all of us like getting the random text message, hey, thinking about you. All of us like getting, you know, some kind of affirmation of, hey, I thought about you today or I love you, whatever. Doing it as a dominant and slave is very, very different because you're adding oh, another yes. layer onto that that's, you know, and so the way I visualize it, it's, it is darker. It's a darker energy because it's, it is more sexual. It's a little more primal. Yes. Um, but so when I send that message of, hey, I'm thinking about you, it's layered with a lot of expectation. It's layered with a lot of stuff because what I'm really actually saying is, oh, I'm thinking about you. And I'm thinking about you kneeling in front of me, or I'm thinking about you doing this task that I told you to do. And I'm curious if you've done it yet, because I want to know, are you prioritizing us? I'm um, thinking about your service. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And yes. so kind of one of the fun parts of that, especially when you, you know, have a live-in, is to be able to sit across the room and send that text when they're not expecting it and watch, watch their face and watch that the instant... Like, oh, they're thinking about me. Oh, they're thinking about me. Yup. And you're like, there it is. <laughs> Damn right. Because it's just, it's, it goes that it's a next layer deeper. And so that, that is the hook for me, being able to see that from across the room or being able to get the response. It's like the little smirking emoji or, you know, something like that. Cause it's the one time I allow them to respond with emojis. Um, <laughs> no, and, and I'll follow. And I'll always follow it up with, so, you know, what was your thought when, when you read this? Share it. Because again, I want to get to know you on a deeper level. Right. I'm not, I'm not just, you know, hey, send me a selfie of you naked because you thought about me. You know, it's, I want to go deeper than that. So it's, yeah, to me, that's, well, that's what keeps it interesting and spicy. Oh, yeah. Well, because it comes down to the same thing. It's not the sexual charge itself. It's the intimacy behind it. Mm -hmm. It's all about the intimacy at the end of the day, not because there isn't a sexual charge or that the, the kinky parts of it don't give us things. It's that they're all byproducts, absolute byproducts. And it comes as simple as that. Like, it's the whole reason we have titles and honorifics, mm -hmm. not because it's the only reason, obviously, but when it's amongst yourselves, specifically between the two people in a power exchange, that how was your day, baby girl? Or how is mm -hmm. your day master? There's an immediate thought process when you see that. There's a reason we use them. And it's not just whatever or to identify as. It evokes things. It causes us to think about it, feel about it. Mm -hmm. Whether it's in person or over the waves. I have to snicker because when you, when you, said, when you said that a minute ago, my immediate thought was, I dream of Jeannie. The way that you said that it was it was totally no, Barbara I, Eden. I totally I hate to say it. that. No, but you're not. But your wrong. voice, yes. I spent years hearing that in my head. I have no problem <laughs> owning that. That was the, f and I didn't even have a thing for her or any of that. It was before our time, technically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the the identity is there. That what is mm -hmm. your witch master? Like I can't help it because it was there, and it yeah, was something your that formative. imprinted on us. <laughs>
See, and I don't have that because I, and I know a lot of people think that way. They pop culture references, you know, become like a very, like a, a key driver, you know, shows that you watch yeah. as a child and stuff like that. I, didn't I, really I was going to say, but I think that's a large part of the imprint and that's not something that's common anymore in the sense of mm-hmm. we don't have the same associations now that we did then by mm-hmm. any stretch. We definitely don't. Well, and you don't see it in media quite the same. So when you look at you know, the cartoons that, you know, we watched as teenagers and you know, the shows that we were watching in college and stuff like that, you know, you don't have, there aren't a whole lot of pop culture references that show power exchanges in a true sense that weren't boss secretary. Right. Or no, you know, absolutely. Some, some kind of professional setting, right? Whereas I, I do feel like, it, you know, 60s, 70s, you, you had more power dynamics that were part of the actual social structure. Yes. Um, so I do feel it's different now because like I, cause I, I'm sitting here racking my brain, like, you know, what power exchanges did I grow up with? Uh, Morticia Adams. Yeah. Um, that's a great example. Morticia actually. and Gomez. That was a power exchange. Oh God. And, and a healthy one. And it was an amazing one. Let's not even yeah. bullshit that. It was there's, there's a reason we fantasize that one. Oh God. Um, yes. But like moving like further ahead, like into the nineties and stuff like that. I can't honestly think of any television shows or, you know, anything like that that was a power exchange based relationship. Um, for me, you know, when I was coming in high school, college, you know, anime really kind of came onto the scene. Yeah. So there was a lot of that in anime. You did see it in anime. You know, the rise of uh, the BTS mommy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But like, but when you talk about, but again, even, even in, anime the true master slave type dynamic is never showcased you just don't see it anywhere and so to and that's and i think that's another reason why this could be really hard for folks is because they don't other than reading books that talk about it and hearing a podcast or something like that or seeing it at a local play space there's no exposure to this specific dynamic no there's not and that's Mm -hmm. You know, we've said before we're eventually going to end up doing a, a a BDSM history of America, so to speak, to mm-hmm. an extent. And I think we have to simply because I don't think, you know, we're talking about something that's now formed almost 80 years ago in terms of its actual structural yeah. form. It's a long ass time ago, long enough to it count. Is. We don't have, you know, when I was growing up, it was 40 something years ago. There's a huge gap of where the world has turned since then. And I don't think enough people understand the scope of what that means socially. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, the end of, you know, I hate using the toxic masculinity and the patriarchal parts. And mm-hmm. we know that was That's there too, but it was part of it. Mm-hmm. There's a reason those things like I Dream of Genie existed in that time era. Because it was part yeah. of the social norm. And so it was an mm-hmm. acceptable thing to see. If you did that today, especially in hetero relationships, if you did that today and it did not look in the slightest like Jeannie was an independent person, shit would fly. It's just a different world now. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing or a good thing or either. No, it's changed. You cannot do things. It's, the it's way an awareness. Did so our perceptions and therefore the media we have to be exposed to is very different now. And that's why I like the term awareness. To me, it's an yes. awareness of actual autonomy. And that was something that was never showcased. Like when you exactly. when you look at the 1950s household and, and the nuclear family, autonomy was not there. The only person who had autonomy oh, God, no. was the man. 
And then, you know, and of course, everything's always based on the heteronormative side of things. Oh. Gay, gay relationships were structured completely different back then, even compared to now. Oh, yeah. And so now, when you see that representation, our society has started pushing autonomy. Our society does push consent, you know, especially in BDSM. Overall, you know, consent is now it's more becoming a common normal. word to yeah. hear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so... I think the reason why a lot of it has shifted and how people can visualize it and get those representations is because we're putting an emphasis on it now. Yes. We're putting an emphasis on how did you get here, not how does it look? And that's that's something else that I find very unique to the master-slave dynamic that you, again, you don't see in other power exchanges. Well, it's it's worth pointing out that even even in the 1950s example, while there was some autonomy in the man, even then, you have to keep in mind the societal norms of the time. Even then, mm -hmm. if he had a family, he only had so much autonomy in the eyes of his culture and his neighbors. Sure. Because if he was out of place, he would be just as ostracized as, say, the girl who you know messed with the pool boy at home. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Just because mm -hmm. he had more freedom to look the part, he still had to fit the part or he'd be equally burned. And we've mm -hmm. come a long way since then where people are allowed to be themselves. And like yeah. you said, consent has become a normal part of everyday culture. And I think that's vital. I think that's a wonderful thing, and it's finally moved that way. And I think a large part of that we, you know, we don't know going to deep dive into, but there's a reason that, you know, we came away from non-heteronormative relationships mm -hmm. and structures and the history that came with it. And we came away with ethical non-monogamy. And mm -hmm. these are things that have become, I won't say normal any more than kink is normal, but they're becoming more common to stumble across in the wild with at least a fisheye of, I don't know how I feel about that, but it's no longer a stone that motherfucker. Right. Mm -hmm. So consent yeah, being a byword across the board is becoming more accepted as a result. And, an and it's a vital thing. I don't care what mm -hmm. you are or where you are in life. It doesn't matter what it's about. And I think that's just as important because it opens a doorway. I think, and, and I like, I like the analogy of the doorway. Um, right. Like that, because I, I do feel <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, this is going to sound horrible and like some weird PSA, but like, I do feel power exchange is one of the gateway drugs into kink. Um, it is. It can be, I should say. And so, I say that because I, so I feel so. like people are. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Well, that's regional, but yeah. Yes, this is true. Like that's, but that's why I laugh at that analogy whenever I hear that because that's I start thinking about it like, oh yeah, the gateway drug into kink. Like, but you're not wrong. But no, because you know, again, what what you see is two people that are sexy. They're connected. You know, one's got the cow eyes, and the other one's looking down with, you know, pride and reverence, and they're and everybody's instantly identifies with one or both of them right and you could watch the same couple play for eight weeks at the local play yep. space having scene after scene you keep seeing it over and over again well, over and over again it's like I, that's hot that's sexy but i come back to an example we started with with our with our early leather episode when we first did our thing about and it was a very simple you know because le nothing's as sexy as leather now granted i'm biased and everyone's mm -hmm. entitled to say otherwise like if you're into rubber latex whatever Whatever your particulars, there's nothing wrong with any of them. 
But look me in the eye and tell me that when a couple walks in clad in leather, fully decked out, into an event, and one kneels down in front of the other looking up, don't tell me you don't immediately get a charge. Don't lie to me. It may not be your preference, but you're going to feel some kind of way. (laughs) That is a fantasy image that is burned into the mind for a reason. And it doesn't necessarily have to be leather. It could be the the power suit. It could be the, you know, whatever it happens to be. But Mm -hmm. the image is still there. It's there for a reason. And it's no different whether you say kink or BDSM. It goes back to that image that's immediately evoked if you don't already have a Mm well-read experience within kink. Because obviously we're a little different in that we've had enough exposure to think about other things too. But for the uninitiated or the very early on, you hear BDSM and there's an immediate thought process. Hmm? And it does come back to master-slave dynamics coming back full circle to the point. It makes you think about it. There's Hmm? a reason it makes you think about it. There's a reason it's the gateway drug into kink, so to speak. Hmm? Because even before you knew what the differences were, you thought some kind of way about that particular image. If you had any interest in delving into it at all, obviously. Yeah. And that's, but that's the thing is you have to be able to see it to go. Cause I, cause again, reading books is great. It gives us all sorts of fantasies. You know, all of us have active minds when it comes to that. Nothing wrong with it, but I'll liken it to audiobooks. You can read the same book three times in your voice, in your head. And you listen to an audiobook with somebody else's interpretation, it's now different. Yep. It may actually turn you off from the story, depending on the voice that's narrating, right? One of the reasons I hate audiobooks. But then you go see a play or you go see a movie and you see a visual representation of what that book was about. And you gain an even different perspective. You may look at characters differently, you know, kind of kind of why fan fiction can be fun. And so you start seeing all these different facets and realizing these characters had more depth or there's maybe more of a backstory that the author never fully explained. So here's somebody else giving an interpretation. And I think when it comes to power exchange, specifically MS, that same process happens. I feel like people, you know, they read about all these sexy stories, you know, I'll use story of O. There's a reason that that's considered classic and iconic, even though not practical, realistic, Right. Now it's viewed as a lens of abuse. Now it's viewed as, you know, consent, non-consent, and like an extreme form of, you know, someone's introduction to BDSM. But you can't ignore that the story, that entire book is still filled with amazing descriptions of of high protocol service, amazing descriptions of true master-slave or ownership property type relationships. And that's what gets the juices flowing. You know, and and until you start doing the thing, you don't know what it looks like for you. No, that's absolutely true. And unfortunately, it's the same thing where whether we like it or not, by no means a book review is going to happen because fuck that nonsense. (laughs) Because we're talking specifically about master slave dynamics and the image it evokes, we have to talk about the fact that Fifty Shades is part of that equivalent in culture Mm -hmm. now, too. Whether we like it or not, it's there. Mm -hmm. However we feel about it. Like, and most kinksters have an immediate turn off. The moment you even say Fifty Shades, 
there's an immediate cringe react. It's almost a knee jerk. And there's a good reason for that. Don't get me wrong. It is trash. It is trashy fan fiction built around a framework of abuse dressed Mm -hmm. in kink. We can call it what it is without getting deeper. We don't have to. Lipstick on a pig. We know. Exactly. The problem is that it's still a ki- the pig that everyone has now seen on a mass mm-hmm. level. Whether we like it or not, you can't put that stopper back in the bottle. So whether we like it or not, it's still a part of that imagery for people coming in. In many cases. Not every case. There's still people who have blessedly not seen it, thank God. <laughs> and let's be honest, the movies, for the purposes of, are way worse than the books. Because it tells even and less confirmed. of the story. I, unfortunately, so can I. I, be, I. Because here's the thing. Because people do really want to shit on those books. I will say, to me, they were still worth reading. Yes. Because if you are going to engage in this community and you are going to be dealing with people, especially if you're one of those people that has the weird mindset of corrupting vanillas and going down yeah. that weird path. You need you need to read books like that because it gives you an understanding of how people view us. Yes. You need to have exactly. an understanding of fantasies that people spin up in their head based on a casual encounter that they had in an elevator. That's really where these kind of come from. They're not they based do. in lived experience. They're not uh, like, you know, no, again, Story of O. Story of O, you can tell it was written by somebody who had done some things. They were not what we would call lifestyle. They were not somebody that we would say were necessarily embedded in the kink culture, right? And so it was written with a very extreme viewpoint with very extreme fantasies that I think most of us can appreciate stay fantasy. Right. I see Fifty Shades very much the same thing. These these were somebody's romanticized view of what a master-slave dynamic looks like. Yes. And what the fantasy played out like in their head Probably while they're masturbating or whatever. Oh, absolutely. It wasn't the reality of what it is actually like to identify as a master and slave and what it's like to actually live a lifestyle with that level of dedication. Well, and I can say with some some degree of, you know, levity in the fact that if you read the books as opposed to watch the movies, it's a lot easier to read through the books and not feel like it's the same travesty the movies were. Because at least in the books, if you read them correctly, they don't sugarcoat the fact that he's a fucked up dude. They don't pretend that this is sane. So I give them, it's still not, you know, it's still lipstick on a pig. Don't get me wrong. But you can at least understand where the lipstick came from in the book reading. Hmm. You can't get that out of the movies because they don't do good enough job in delving into that because it's hard to do on a screen. I am a firm believer that if someone has made the mistake of watching the movies, I tell them, go read the books before you make any other assumptions. Not because they're good books, but because if you're going to draw that assumption into your media exposure into kink, and you haven't gotten deeper into kink itself, at least understand what it actually is, is a story. Understand the depths of the depravity and fucked upness that is going on there at the unhealthy level. Instead of just reading it as, oh, they all act that way. No, we really fucking don't. <laughs> well, and, and that's why, like, another good one that gets brought up, everybody's favorite, The Secretary. Yes. It's a great movie. It is a great story. Again, you're showing a master and slave, both equally fucked up, a lot of mental yes. health issues, not a healthy way to start a relationship at all, um, extremely problematic 
Now, when you talk about, you know, the lens of consent yes. and, you know, workplace consent, right? But I love the fact that they don't sugarcoat that in that one. I'll give them that. They make it very clear that crazy. it's all fucked up. And that's why I'm good with that one to an extent. Well, I agree with it, too, because, you know, again, if you if you walk this earth any amount of time and you start dating, especially <laughs> if you're dating people that you encounter at work, stuff like that. These relationships happen that way. Yes. Is there is so much nonverbal, there's so much non-communication, so much of things that become just an unwritten expectation that then becomes habit. Well, and the... it's it was not clearly communicated. It, and and no. these are why those and I and again why I like the secretary it shows what should be a lasting loving relationship versus what actually takes place. Yes. No, and how and how people struggle to get it back on track to get because in a sense you start chasing that fantasy. Well, and, and it so goes they keep to chasing it. it. It's an imperative part of that as well as to point out these are two people that had no as opposed to Fifty Shades where one of them had been practicing, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. In the secretary, neither one of them has any idea what that looks like. They are completely inexperienced. They have no idea what it even was until she went and did her own research because she knew how screwed mm -hmm. up it was. They did not have any experience. These were two very green people fumbling along. And that's one of the mm -hmm. things I love about it is they don't sugarcoat. These are two people who have no idea what they're doing. This is not unhealthy in the sense of someone's abusing another because they know what they're doing in that right. sense. It's that they literally have no idea what they're doing and they're already mentally got issues. Mm -hmm. And so while, yes, obviously not healthy by any stretch of the imagination. Hmm. The watching of it is at least in a place that's understandable because, one, like you said, it's something that does absolutely happen out in the wild. Two, it's an example of what happens when there's no exposure. When yeah, two you're learning in a vacuum. Not... Exactly. That's exactly yeah. it. That's you know, two people learning in the background. They're just not have access trying to, the to be unhealthy. One isn't trying mm -hmm. to abuse the other on purpose. It's literally they're feeding their desires in a way they don't understand. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they're doing a great job of fucking it up. But it's not because they're trying to or that they're trying to hurt one another. It's that they don't understand what they're doing. Only what it feels like. And that's at least mm -hmm. it's pure in the sense of it's mm -hmm. at least a valid series of emotions and connections. However unhealthy they might be. One of the other things that I've stumbled across, and it's, you know, again, years of experience <laughs> observing. Fortunately. Dating myself. But um, one of the things that always strikes me as fascinating, and it's the couples that I like watching most, and especially yes. when it comes to like teaching classes and things like that. The types of people that I enjoy watching that to me feels like a pure representation of master-slave are typically non-sexual dynamics that do not start out as like a boyfriend-girlfriend or girlfriend-girlfriend. These are dynamics where you have someone who is very clearly a naturally dominant person, who is very self-assured, self-possessed. They know exactly what the fuck they're about. They know exactly what they want out of life and what they expect out of their partners. And they start dating someone who is equally self-aware also from the other side of the coin, right? They yes. know that they are a person who likes to, to be ordered around and, and in a sense micromanaged. And I'm using that term in the positive sense, not, right. not the reverse of it. But no, of course. You know, where where they want to be micromanaged, they want those decisions taken away from them because they are just happy to be with that person in the purest sense. And so 
to, you know, to, to serve someone in that capacity that's completely mental and emotional. And they, you, and you can see them because you'll see that, and sex is not the motivator. You'll see how they interact when they teach classes, or you'll see how they interact when they're at an event or something like that, where you know, the person, the, the submissive can get up and walk around the room and is a very self-possessed person. They're very self-assured. Yes. Um, and, and oftentimes will get mistaken for a dominant because they are so confident. And to That's me, it. MS is kind of really the only time you see that. Agreed. When you talk about DS and you talk about top bottom, I find that the submissives don't seem to have as clear of a sense of self-possession. Well, they see themselves the as an attachment from, from the relationship where with MS, if you don't meet as equal partners, you are not having an MS exchange. You're, you're role-playing. Well, I'm always going to come back to you're basically role-playing. Well, and ultimately, let's be honest, that's exactly the point. That is literally the defining separation from the two not that because as we've said thousands of times it's not that master slave is less or more than a dominant and submissive it's different mm -hmm. in the fact that the two people involved are looking for that full sense of dedicated effort with each other they're looking mm -hmm. for that next step the whole reason a you know quote unquote forgive me here traditional submissive excuse that terrible expression you know what i'm going with it it's, it has have, a place in this conversation. Kids, whether they have jobs, whether they have everyday life, whether they're the boss, whatever their particular mm -hmm. outside pressures, societal, personal, whatever it is, they don't feel the same need for that level of dedication or don't feel they can meet it. One of the two. Mm -hmm. And there's other pairing down, obviously. Those are breaking it down really, really basic. But ultimately, they've decided that they cannot go to that level. Or that they don't want right. it or can't seek it, whatever the case may be. It could be all of the above. The whole reason a master-slave works is both parties have said, I know what I want. And it's not that I want from one side. It's that they both have come together as equals and said, this is what we want. Mm -hmm. Together. And it does look yeah. one-sided because that's exactly how we like it. I want you to take control and put this structure in front of me. I crave that dead emptiness of not worrying about all those extra tidbits so I can just focus on what I want to do, just serving you. And whatever else okay. may be part of that, obviously, that's not always all of it by any stretch. But the principle is the same. It's that I want to be able to focus on this. And that's a huge jumper right there. That right there is a huge definer. Mm -hmm. Because it's not that it's less or more. It's that there's a difference in the decision making of this is where I want this and I'm not willing to settle for anything else. Correct. Correct. It's as simple as that. It really is that simple, so to speak. The details aren't, but the needs are. I should know. I've spent most of my life looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't but say I think looking we for do. it. I have found it multiple times. It's I have found it, lost it, lived with it, lived without it, adjusted for it. I, I've come through so many different gamuts of it. 
because it is something I crave. So I understand, and it's it's not the sexual part of it. I am right there with you in that it doesn't need sexuality at all. It's the dedication that I crave. It's the protocol, the rituals, the contracts, the servitude. So let me ask you this. More than one. Let me ask you this then. Is it, do you find that the reason why these dynamics don't end up lasting for you is a sustainability problem? Or is it more the, the connection changes or like there's some other external thing that's like in vanilla life that in, impacts it? Or because one of the things that I've noticed with my own dynamics, especially the MS ones that I don't want to say fail, but just don't become sustainable anymore or they're not that's a good way as to fulfilling. It, though. it is. Yeah. I'll, I'll say just not as fulfilling or not as sustainable. Maintaining the connection, I think, is it's probably vital. the biggest Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially if you're not living together. Then the second one is getting into routine rut. Yep, which comes with living. I life. think those are, it, it does, because, you know, I'll use surgery as a prime example. One of you has surgery. Well, your dynamics kind of go out the window unless it's the master having the surgery and the submissive has to take care of them. That's and just even the way then, it, it works. It depends on how much that shifts. Mm -hmm. Because there can yeah, even it depends be a on power the power shift in, okay. What if that surgery takes me completely off of my ability to even motivate for three weeks, even? Let's just mm -hmm. say three weeks yeah. out of a random number. It doesn't have to be that. And maybe I can't even get up to go to the bathroom by myself for that period of time. It changes how much work is involved for both of you to maintain anything. And some people can rise to that occasion, and some people can And a large part of it is the framework that already existed and what you've done to reinforce it. And that takes time and effort. It takes practice. It takes experience together. A mm -hmm. master-slave dynamic that's 10 years deep, who's been actively working at it and not just going with the flow, is far more likely to weather that and come out fine than, say, a 22-year-old couple who barely understand what a relationship is in the first place. And that mm -hmm. plays its part, too. You know, As much as I would love to say that it's just experience alone, it's also age. And it's not because I'm it old. It's it's not because I'm old. It's that at 22, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. As we've referred before about ferals, you are. <laughs> you are as hormonally driven as you are mentally driven about anything. Mm -hmm. You have no true mm -hmm. experience to draw from. And at that age, you really don't have a tendency to listen to anyone who knows what the fuck they're doing. No matter mm -hmm. how much you want to pretend you do. We largely don't, okay. even if we absorb some of it. Mm -hmm. So at 22, yeah, I was a terrible fucking dom. Not because I was a bad dom. <laughs> In that sense. Just inexperienced. But I was so inexperienced in relationships that I didn't have enough experience to understand how those two things would go together long term when it mattered. And I think that's true of mm -hmm. a lot of people. It's not the easy parts. Anyone can go through the easy parts when everything's good. And that's true of relationships in general. And unfortunately, that still makes it more accurate here. Mm -hmm. It's not when everything's good that it's hard. It's when everything struggles, whether it's because the bills are a struggle, the everyday routine is too regular, whatever that particular obstacle may be. And being in a rut counts as an obstacle at that point. Absolutely. It's an obstacle to you maintaining the fantasy of your power exchange. Mm -hmm. And it's up to you, especially as the dominant, granted it's both of you, but especially as a dominant again because of responsibility and the choices you made to be that person. It is on you to make sure it goes through that and comes out the other side and knowing what to do mm -hmm. to make that work. 
and at 22, 25, or some even 30, and I'm not <laughs> shading anybody, I'm not pointing fingers or uh. accusing or even self-declaring. It's the reality is that some people figure it out sooner than others. It's a fact. Mm -hmm. I'd like to think that I was relatively secure in what a dynamic was by then. But I didn't have the relationship history with the same way yet. It took going so through whether I'm happy or not about it. It took going through my marriage and that toxicity mm. and coming out the other side to understand enough of both sides of that equation. And sometimes yeah. I, now that I'm at that point in my life, I sometimes wonder if when we were younger, relatively younger, in the scene, went to the kink parties and the events and whatnot in the community. And it was obviously a different animal then, and I realized that too. But I think my mentality was different because I didn't understand why so many older couples were so common and looked so happy and healthy in power exchange. And you spent a lot less time seeing younger people in that same capacity as opposed to just getting their groove on or their kink on or their scenes on. And it's not that they didn't exist. It was just less obvious. It's understated. And I think, and that's kind of, so the question that we just got in the chat, isn't that what check-ins are for? Does MS not allow for that? Absolutely a common should. misperception. So this is a common misperception that I encounter a lot, especially with with my subs when I'm when I'm starting to to move towards an MS dynamic from DS. I feel like they they lose the ability to do those check ins or they lose the ability to have that kind of voice. And what I will say do. is it it depends on the the couple. Yes. You know, it it depends on it depends on the master. To be very honest, with you. not every master allows for that. But what I have found is it's because they're not labeling it. They're doing it they're doing it consistently on like a daily weekly monthly basis they're not doing it as a formalized uh master i am petitioning you for a formal sit down check-in right like it's just because it doesn't do. have to be that way it's something they do organically because yes. they're already better communicators right um also i have found again going back to the the healthy couples that i've seen that i enjoy watching the submissive is self-possessed and self-aware enough to advocate for that when it's needed so what they will do is, you know, you, know, you serve your master the coffee in the morning, you're kneeling next to the bed, you can tell master's head is, is working correctly, and they've, they're starting to caffeinate and perk up. And that's yes. when you go, you know, ma'am, sir, I'd like to talk to you about whatever. You know, can, we, can we have a moment where I can express my thoughts on something that happened? Or, you know, do you have time to humor me for whatever? I mean, there's so many ways you can initiate that, right? There's a, it, we made a great example of that uh, a couple of episodes ago when we talked about when we first come home from work and mm -hmm. it wasn't implemented, yeah. for example, for you early on, but it was something you started realizing was important. And mm -hmm. I have the same thing where I started realizing how important it was and started making it part of my everyday relationships either way. is when mm -hmm. you, And it's the same concept. It's just less extrapolated. Is you get mm -hmm. home and you take that five minutes, whatever you need to decompress, but you meet in the middle before you take the next steps together for the day. Whether it's, you know, like you said about, you know, you come home, you get into your comfy clothes, you get your bottle of water, your hair up on the bun, you sit down and like, okay, <laughs> what's up? It's the same thing. It's just organic and comfortable because you both have that faith in each other already. Mm -hmm. Doesn't need to be mm -hmm. discussed in detail because you're already doing it. And that does come with experience. It comes with the practice of understanding it's a need. No matter if you're a power exchange couple or not. 
Mm-hmm. It's a relationship need to check in with each other and your emotional health. Absolutely. With one another. Because that's how relationships if not, work. Well, if you're not doing it in your vanilla relationships, you're not effectively communicating. You're no. relying on the other person to be psychic, and that's stupid. That's, and you're, yeah. you're shooting yourself in the foot. I mean, you know, and, and Matthew Sir is right. Making it difficult to have those kinds of check-ins should be a red flag for both. Not just yes. the S type, but for both. That is a red flag. If you're submissive, is constantly like, no, I don't need a check-in. I'm fine. Bullshit. You're not fine human you're gonna be not fine and i'm here for you I, for the times that you're not I fine i can even speak to that because i had a friend in my 20s who he had a submissive that would actively because he would want to check in with her because it was something mm-hmm. he picked up on from the older folk and she wouldn't have it now granted they'd been together a couple of years by the time they had dabbled into king so they had a relationship already but even more so in some ways as a result like, mm-hmm. he would be like, can we talk for a moment to just make sure we're on the same page? And she's like, we're good. Don't worry about it. And then proceeded to break up with him without warning six months later. Like, the worst kind of fuck Like up. that without warning. Mm. Yeah. It's like, really? <laughs> he was trying, motherfucker. And you're not meeting. And that's what I'm saying. It's the exchange. You have to meet and match. You have to match the energy. You have to match the effort have to match the communication because because it does it it can go from good to gone in a day that and that's how it feels now it may not literally be 24 hours but i i've had these relationships too where it's like things have been bumping along for a week and a half everything's great you're still in the honeymoon phase you know you've got that nre flowing oh what kind of underwear am i wearing and yeah and then then it's like the person ghosts or Something happens and then you don't, you don't have contact for three or four days because work, life, whatever. And then you go to reconnect and say, okay, so let's get together this weekend, pick back up where we left off. And they're kind of a new person now. A different and you person. you can read it. You, you can totally absolutely feel it. Read Even it. in text message, you can feel it. Yeah, because you're no longer then the you, person mm-hmm. they care about in that way. They're no longer Well, and you're no longer you. connected. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's and that's and that goes back to that to me, that level of communication and self awareness. So, you know, what could have happened is, hey, listen, I've got to deal with some really stressful work shit. I'm not ignoring you. Do a daily check in just to say, hey, I'm still here, I'm alive, whatever. But I really can't get into the same volume of communication that we've had over the last two weeks. It's different right now. I... It will pass. And, and so and so for me, it's like fine. I will allow. Once daily check-in, you don't even have to do it by phone. If you want to shoot me a quick text, hey, woke up, thought about you, hope you have a good day. Um, you know, here's kind of my agenda for the day, so I'm pretty busy, but, you know, if I get a chance to to call, I will. I'm okay with that. You you at least told me what you're doing. You're communicating. You're conveying something. If that goes on for four or five days, oh, I'm going to demand a phone call. Like, we need to actually see each other. We need to sit down. We at least need a face-to-face moment to make sure mm-hmm. we're on the same. Yeah. One of the things I, I said constantly in my first year with Syria, which granted, again, I came off of a very toxic marriage. I was only a couple years out of. I was still working through shit because my next partner was not great because I was not fully prepared for it yet. And that's not on them any more than it's me. It just was the reality. I, I can say that because mm-hmm. it's not blaming in that capacity. It just wasn't healthy. So I still had baggage, just like, not going to be wrong, we both did, as people do when they get into new relationships, unless sure. they lived in a vacuum. I, you know, 
But one of the things I stressed on for my first year is when I was really going through it and I was in a mental place that was unhealthy or irrational, I would sit down for a moment because Siri would pick up on it. She's not fucking stupid. And she would mm. be like, what's wrong? And I would stop and I'd be like, I can't talk about it right now, but know that it has nothing to do with you. It's not affecting our relationship. And when I'm ready to, I will come to you. And I had to force myself to force the words out at first because I wasn't feeling it. But mm -hmm. I knew how important it was to say it anyway. Mm -hmm. Because she yeah, needed she to needed understand to hear. it had nothing to do with her. Because it didn't. I'm not mad at you. You didn't do anything. This literally had mm -hmm. nothing you could have done to affect it in any capacity. I'm working through shit in a very unhealthy place. And I need to be able to do so. But I don't want you to think it's got anything to do with anything you've caused or can help or hinder. Mm -hmm. And so instead of just assuming you know that, I said it. It's vital. It's as simple as that. Even when you're going through it, you don't want to. Do it anyway. Force the words out. Just to make sure you're on the same page so that they understand that it's not something they can do anything with. Because what's the initial instinct when you say you're going through some shit? If your partner has any kind of real intimacy with you, they're either going to back off because they feel colded, mm -hmm. or they're going to try to help. Especially mm -hmm. if they're in a submissive capacity. Their natural tendency is to support, which is totally valid. That's, that's why you pick them. Yes. But you got it. That's kind of the point. So to not do so. To not give them that. It's no different than giving them the cold shoulder as a dominant in general or as a punishment. Mm -hmm. You might as well just be slapping them in the face without warning. I mean, now granted, there's jokes that could yeah. be made about that too, but yeah. you know what I mean in this case. Not part of your consensual dynamic in the first place. Let's be clear. <laughs> now, and I would hazard to say if, if you're in a relationship with someone, like I... <laughs> Tea time with Auntie Knox. Um, again, I always use myself as the bad example. My my maladaptive co coping skill, my toxic trait, is that when I am stressed, I do I do get very quiet. Um, I am not good at expressing my frustration until it hits kind of like a boiling point. Right. And when that happens, to, to the positive side is it's a flash and it's gone. As soon as I get angry, I have the explosive response. And, and when I say that, it's not violent. It's just, it's a verbal explosion. I have my, my verbal explosion session. I'm done with it. I've purged it. Now, as a submissive, the reason why that was toxic as shit is when I, I lived in an MS arrangement. But the dominant and what the master would see is... She's just not communicating as much as she used to. She doesn't seem as bubbly. She doesn't seem as like effervescent and like she's not, she's still willing to please wanting to serve, but there's no, there's no sunshine behind the movements. Right. Yeah. And so I would get very withdrawn. I would get very quiet. And then finally I, I would, I would do the, we need to talk. Which nobody likes to hear it's that is shit style of communication. And so I would have the sit down and I would just, basically verbally vomit all over that person, the stress and trauma and everything that I had been bottling up for the last sometimes months. And then I would purge it and be like, all right, so let's, let's have a quick, a quick scene, a quick session, whatever, get my head back on track. And then, Hey, I'm good to go. So you're good. Right. And the master would be looking at me going, 
hey, what the fuck just happened? Hey, I, I need to process this. I have to digest this. You literally just word vomited on me with all these emotions. And, you know, some of the stuff is stuff I can help you with. Some of it's not. So then you start looking at, like, what actually needs action. You know, and and fighting the urge, as, you know, especially as the master, fighting the urge as that person to step in and fix. Right? And so... I learned very quickly after that, that I needed to not do any of those things. So then later you know, I become the one in charge. <laughs> you know, I start taking control of other people and having these power exchange relationships. And I realized that I still have these same tendencies as a dominant. I started doing that was obviously garbage. As my submissives would pick up on it and say, you know, ma'am, is everything okay? You seem off. And my toxic mindset, especially early on, was you don't complain down. And so I wouldn't share with the submissive what the stress was. I wouldn't share with them what was actually going on because my thought was that's above you right now. Your station is to be dedicated to me, fulfilling to the house, things like that. I don't need to burden you with these types of things because it's work-related or interpersonal-related. And so I would effectively shut them out which is not effective communication. It's not how you show a partner you're invested in them or that you're caring. And it happened a lot. And, and it, my first couple of solid DS relationships, you know, I pissed them away by that kind of behavior. And so, and that's, that's the thing is by not having these check-ins and not taking, taking the time to really make yourself vulnerable with your partner, even as the master, negatively impacted so much. Now, I can't say that I've never done it since. I mean, I do still do it. It's one of my personality traits to just get a little quiet and digest stuff. But I've gotten better at at least expressing, I'm not mad at you. I'm not angry. Yes. I'm digesting things. I'm withdrawing a little bit, but I'm not withdrawing completely. And I've been able to say, help me not to withdraw completely. Keep me engaged. Keep pushing. I'm not going to get mad at you. You're going to feel like you're not getting any response, but keep pushing because I, I need that because otherwise I will disengage. Oh, you know? I've and I finally have play partners and submissives that are aware of what I'm actually communicating. Yes, um, it helps that I'm dealing with play partners that have very similar backgrounds to mine, and so they understand the the mechanisms that are happening. Yes, and so you know. I've got my my core fam that, you know, they'll notice, hey, you know, you haven't been in the chat as much in the last couple of days. You haven't really been texting. I haven't seen any funny memes or any sarcastic posts lately. Is everything good? Um, yeah. Yeah. So what, what's going on? Well, and it's to reiterate what I said in the chat, just because obviously people listening, I can't mm -hmm. read. Um, you know, I, I know it's a running joke sometimes that I could be talky, especially when it comes to kink. And I am. I have no problem owning that. If you get me started on kink, I don't shut the hell up because it is my engagement. It is my particular topic of focus, especially as someone who's, you know, slowly been learning that I've been masking for a long time and coming to grips on that end of things. Kink is one of my few jams, so to speak. It's the thing I dedicate to. Mm -hmm. But I am naturally in my own space very quiet. I am naturally introspective and not talking just to talk. I get online and I'm social because that's where I engage socially. But in my everyday life, I'm pretty, if I'm not reading, I'm minding my own damn business 90% of the time. It's just exactly. who I am. And it's not because I'm 
inherently antisocial. It's I don't engage with people at that level on a constant basis if it's not something I'm already going into. So yeah, Same it with tends me, to be it's, it's compartmentalizing. Obvious. Exactly. That's exactly it's, it. it's pure and it's and it's it's not healthy. No, it's not. It's not healthy. We but have a maladaptive learn, coping skill. Well, and for a variety of good reasons that we're not gonna dive deep into here, because this <laughs> is a psychological one oh one. Um but they came from a place where, yeah, I did have to learn coping mechanisms that were healthier to work with those things that I've developed, regardless of how mm -hmm. I got them. And I'm be way better than I was even 10 years ago um, <laughs> by a long shot. But part of that Growth was having, is positive. Right. Well, but it also <laughs> comes with having a partner who gets it because I'm communicating with them and had the patience to understand I was trying. Mm -hmm. That does make a difference, especially, mm -hmm. you know, yes, Syria obviously wanted a dominant. It wasn't as simple as just, hey, let's do our thing. Or she likes a joke. She imported me. Um, <laughs> but part of that was she had no experience with anyone here at that point because no one had caught her interest that way. Mm -hmm. So her whole experience with being with a dominant in the first place started with me live, that practical experience factor. But that didn't stop her from being a supportive person in the first place to understand that I was going through shit and she needed to give me that space. But I also made sure I gave her that part of it so that she didn't have to do it wondering if I actually was. Mm -hmm. And I, I realize we've gotten a little far afield, but it does play its part in all of these things because you can't talk about master-slave dynamics and the inner workings of them without realizing all of these deep-level psychological dives are part of the equation. Because for well, that and necessary. to work, they require that level of maintenance. Mm -hmm. It does mean that even if you're naturally a quiet person or have socially maladapted scenarios, you have to force yourself through it anyway for that type of power exchange to maintain a healthy condition. It doesn't matter what your isms are. You don't get to have them in that capacity. Not because you can't have them at all, because you're still people. But you have to be able to rise past them when it matters for your partner, or a master-slave dynamic will not survive. Facts. A dominant slave, Absolutely. a dominant sub relationship does, because at the end of the day, you don't have the same level of dedicated effort. Not because they don't want it less or that they don't enjoy it the same way or any of that. As we've said thousands of times, it's not a leveling difference. It's, it's just the whole is reason a difference. Is they don't have the same need for it to be a primary focus of everything in their lives the same way. So it is easier to leave it on the trail, so to speak, and to put it up on the hanger at the walk out the door, your hat on, whatever. Mm -hmm. If you're choosing... To be a master and a slave, you don't get that same opportunity. You have chosen to forsake that opportunity of, I don't have to worry about this right now. And you have to embrace that, yes, it means that even when I'm not feeling it, I have to deal with it and suck it up. Because my mm -hmm. partner didn't ask for these isms of mine. Not because you're not allowed to have them or they can't be supportive of them, etc. But you still have to remember ethical communication no matter what. And if there is, I mean, ethical communication is true for any kind of relationship, no matter what format. Mm -hmm. But I would even venture to say, as, as hot button as it may be for some people to hear, I am a firm believer that for master-slave dynamics, there's no room for error. 
in that capacity for ethical communication well by the wayside. It can't go. Not that mistakes can't happen because we're human, but you cannot let it go. You cannot let it sit. Not if you don't want it to be sustainable. That's that's exactly. the thing. If you want if you're wanting to end a dynamic, that's how you do it. Yeah. No. Because it will fall apart on you. You know, and it's <laughs> I mean, that's fair uh, wealth, but that's also its its perspective. Don't get me wrong. And obviously my perspective speaks for my own experiences and my own opinions. And you are certainly entitled to your journey as well as we've said a thousand times. Your journey and mine don't have to look identical. Um, but I think it, de it depends really on how you define it yourself. I mean, there's I think that there's a lot of folks that you know, outside looking in, a lot of other kinksters that engage in power exchange would go, oh, that's an MS relationship. But then you yourself is like, no, we're DS. And there's now, nothing and wrong with that either. Not Absolutely. at all. Not at all. I think, I think the reason, <laughs> soapbox, I think the reason why people need some of these labels sometimes is because it's their way of stating to the world, here I am. Oh, and yeah. so for some people, identifying as a master, you know, wearing the patch on your leather vest, you know, with the, the nifty, sexy red design, you know, getting the tattoos and stuff like that, you need that outward expression, validation, and that reminder. Oh, yeah. It's not a negative thing. You know, I, I would argue no, that most of us all. in the lifestyle that get lifestyle tattoos are doing that exact thing. I know I did. You know, I got, you know, hearkening back to my slave days, I got to <laughs> obey tattooed on me. It's still there. And I won't take it off because it fit for that time in my journey. Right. Out, you know, the obeisance kind of has a different meaning, but um, I mean, it's. Well, I think it, the the key is how you're communicating, how you're defining it, and again, these words have a connotation that carry expectations. So when you identify yourself to somebody, I am master so and so, people have an expectation of you within the community. They have a they have an expectation of how you're behaving. They expect your Whoever your S type is that's next to you, even if they may say, yeah, I'm his slave, but I identify as a submissive, they have an expectation of how they are going to behave. Right. Like, and so I do, well, while we harp on communication a lot, that self-identity matters. We can't oh, ignore that component of it. Because well, that forward-facing is why we take these labels. Well, and I've said a thousand or more times, more like a million at this point. Because I've said it in so many different places and even outside of King context in many capacities. At the mm -hmm. end of the day, identification plays its part in ethical communication still. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's not if my perspective is the same as yours. If you're able to articulate the way you see your vision of your journey and your path, whether it's as a master, a dominant, a, a you know, whatever goofy title you may have come up with instead to make people chuckle, whatever it might be. If you're able to articulate it to me, then it doesn't matter what my perspective is because I'm able to understand yours. Mm -hmm. And it means that whatever I see it as does not have to be yours and vice versa. What matters is you're able to clearly identify how you see it mm -hmm. for yourself. And that's the part that matters. So in the in the chat... Uh, one of the comments is touching on using journals for communication. Hmm. Yes. One of the things that, that I, I engage in is I do allow 
all of my S types to do like a weekly journal and it's up to them to submit it to me or not. Yes. Um, most often they do, it becomes a ritual that they, they submit it to me and it, and it turns into its own protocol. I myself get nothing out of journaling. Um, I see the value for other people, especially because being able to write your thoughts out, it helps people structure them and get them in line. And I completely respect that for me. Mine is introspection. Yeah. And so to, to sit and journal it out, it actually frustrates me more to try to put things into words. I feel especially this if I'm trying to I get should. it to another person. Yeah, I can't do it. Uh, Siri and, and, and I had... experimented with it, and it's just not, she wasn't comfortable mm. doing it even. It just was not for her. It's not the way her brain operates at all. Neither. But I completely I respect appreciate the people those who that do. need it. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Fuck yeah. And I do enjoy reading it. Like, I will say, because um, one of, one of the, the boys that I have, Journaling became our primary means of communication for a little while because of some life things that were happening. And so his journal morphed. I always tell him, keep it based on your submissive journey, you know, kink and stuff like that. But, you know, obviously life situations change. So his journal changed with it. And I didn't stop it because I needed that mental check in with him to see where is his mind going. Absolutely. That was my barometer with him. And so... In a sense, from him, was it that verbal diarrhea onto a piece of paper? 100%. <laughs> it, it was stream of consciousness diatribe. Not, it would always kind of wander and meander through things. And, you know, oh, no, Bonnie heard that day. Like, totally. And I let it happen. And, and he, and it was funny because he came to me at one point and was like, I'm so sorry I've gotten off topic with this. And I'm like, you know, actually, this has been fun for me because now I see how your mind works. I see how you make connections with things. I, it actually has helped me connect with you on yes. my side. Well, and it's, you know? it was said in the chat, you know, some for some people, it's absolutely true. Sometimes it's easier to put things down in word. And I totally respect that. I personally don't get the same interpretation from it for myself. But I have absolutely appreciated a, a submissive who's done journaling, who's allowed me to look through it. And it gives me insight into what's going on in their mind because it still plays its part. Absolutely. And for some people it works, some people it doesn't. And all of those are valid. And mm -hmm. I completely appreciate those that where that works better than a verbal check-in. 100%. Because at I the agree. end of the day, it's not about how, it's about if. Mm -hmm. Are you checking in? It's not what format it may take. It's are you doing it at all? Because again, the goal is to have a power exchange. <laughs> you want a power exchange that lasts longer than a week. You got it. Exactly. Yeah, that's, well, because I mean, that's, if you and that's want something. it to just be a week, maybe you should just talk about it that way in the first place so you can get it out of your systems. And, you know. See, and that's, and no, but I agree. That and either. that's why, <laughs> that's why before I take a submissive, I will do those types of tester weekends. You know, oh, you say you want to be a sub? Cool. Let's start out with an event. Oh, you want to be my sub? Event went well. Let's talk about a weekend. Yeah, let's talk about a month. Let's do let's do some trial periods so you can see this is my type of dominance exactly what you're looking for. You know, and because and I get a lot of again, femdom circles are toxic as shit. I get a lot of flack from some of the women that I'm friends with that I'm very close to because they're like, Why do you do that? You invest so much time and and these these subs that you know are trash. I'm like, well and again, why I say I'm not a starter dom going to show you very quickly whether or not oh god yes the one for you and and i like to point out just because it didn't work out with me doesn't mean that you're not submissive it doesn't mean that you're not a slave it just means you're not my slave or submissive right 
And that there's was that wrong was with being able to say that. I mean, yeah, of course you're allowed to have it hurt a little bit or feel like there's some kind of failure involved. What's important is not to feel like it's a broken thing or like you're a total loss. Mm-hmm. Recognize that relationships by their nature require levels of effort and engagement. And sometimes you are two people where that doesn't meet in the middle because you don't communicate effectively together. And it's okay to be able to say, maybe this just doesn't work for us together. And there's nothing invalid about that. What was said in the chat just recently, even a phone call from a different room. I personally have never used that, but I know people who have. And emails too. Absolutely. We've we've done emails. If there's something really sensitive that they were worried. for you. Mm -hmm. It's about doing it, not how you do it. Just get it done. Yeah. It's about communicating. It's not about what medium you take. I I knew a couple uh, back in Minnesota where they communicated their mood sometimes once a day through song, like not actually singing, mm-hmm. but they would like link themselves to YouTube, share a song. The mood they mm-hmm. were feeling. Like so, if it turned That's a cute. little melancholy, one would turn to the other, like, "Is everything okay?" Mm-hmm. It would be a check in of sorts. It was just their particular medium. If it works for you, it works for you. And that's the key part of it. If it works, it's not wrong. That's it. That I mean, that's and that's line. the thing. Find something that works for you and do it. Because uh, again, MS dynamics take a higher level of communication and take a higher level of consistency. Well, and I don't sugarcoat it. A master-slave dynamic requires a metric ton of extra work. <laughs> it does. Not because it sounds, it's harder. It sounds so dramatic. Or, it does, and I don't mean it to be because it's <laughs> it's like so many other things we've covered thousands of times in this particular capacity. It's that master-slave dynamics do not have the words in English to fit the way it's described versus the way we actually see it. We just don't have the right words for it that it fits perfectly for people to understand what we're saying. And that's no one's fault. It's literally just the language itself doesn't make it doesn't f- work for us here. Because so I do want to say equal. It's just very different. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to say one thing because because we are ha- harping on MS so much and the differences, the other dynamics. I don't want to make it sound like MS is the apex of somebody's oh God, journey. No. <laughs> and and yeah, uh, but I'm saying this on purpose because I have heard this mentality shared. It's like, oh, I agree. oh, I've been in kink 25 years and I became a master. So in leather, when you hear somebody say, yes, I'm a covered master, that's a very different thing. <laughs> you better be very careful who you say that to. Got it. Yeah. Oh, and, and so, and even using the term master, like in kink circles, and it carries its own connotation. When you're in leather circles, it's very different. And it does have a very different expectation on behavior and oh, God, things yes. like that. But but when it comes to dynamics as a whole, and this is where I say language language matters, and, and we do struggle on how to define MS from DS because people start looking at it hierarchical, like MS is somehow above DS. So like you start out as a top or bottom, then you go to DS, then you go to MS, and then you make it to OP. And that's like, for some people, the holy grail. And- that's not actually how it works. No. Like, if you really had to view all of these on a piece of paper, they would be in one line with each exactly. other. Exactly. Dominant. It's a flat line, no less. Master. It, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I would argue for a lot of couples, it ends up being a continuum. But well, 
it's I don't want anybody to hear how Dartax and I are talking about this and go, oh my God, so my my goal is to become a master. My goal is to become a slave. It's not. Yeah, that 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 should not be the goal. The goal should be I want a healthy power exchange, right. regardless of what it looks like. Well, and it's it's the kind of thing we touched on when we first touched on the D types episode. And we stressed it then for a reason too, is when I use the example of you know, dominant and submissive, specifically as well as top and bottom, being the absolute bare bones definition. Like, I don't care if you're a master, an owner, a you know, any of these things, a daddy, you are still a D-type. They are all D-types at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. There's a blanket coverage for all of them. And you can call it a dominant or a top or mm-hmm. we break mm-hmm. them down for the purposes of community, but they all boil down to the same aspect of the power exchange, regardless of what kind it is, because there is no difference in level outside of your power exchange. And that's the key element right there is there's no difference outside of yourselves. I have never gone to a community setting and introduced myself. <laughs> Dominate. <laughs> Sorry, that threw me off completely. But there is no... I would never go to a place and introduce myself as Master Dartax. Even when I was a master with a slave. Not because I wasn't their master, but because I understood what it meant to describe myself as such as a title in a community setting. Which is a very different thing. I am definitely not that community's master. Hmm? And that was the key part for me. Same token with, especially in leather, if you call yourself a covered master, Mm -hmm. go around calling yourself master so-and-so, you better be able to back it up with something to back it Mm -hmm. up because we're going to check. And the nature of leather is we do that. We hold ourselves accountable. So you better be able to talk about it. And it's funny how that happens in, in ways that are different from other presentations, right? Like, I, I will say that's that's one of the <laughs> spell check is my owner. I feel this pain. Um, yeah, it's necessary. It we is. we have a love hate relationship. Um, but I mean that's that's kind of why I still will not call myself master anything because in leather you will never hear me refer to myself that way. I've not nope. attained that. I haven't earned that. Exactly. And I'm not necessarily trying to. Be fair. Like that is not something that I'm seeking from my community is to be covered. That's that's not if, should if it that happen. Was one great. of my objectives, I would have been mm. working at it far harder than I am. And much differently, yeah. And if anyone has remotely paid attention to my social circles and online and offline, I ain't making any effort toward that inroad. Mm. And it's not because I don't appreciate it or the, the community that goes with it. If anyone knows me at all, I'm leather till I die. Fuck no. Mm. But it's not important for me to be a covered master in the community. I'm okay with where I am. I don't need it to be that kind of status. And there's nothing wrong with wanting it or not wanting it. It's not a, this makes you some way or not way. It's no different than calling yourself a master versus how other people perceive it. It's at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with any of it. Your well, pursuit, and that's, and that's your what I say. is yours. Whatever tier you're looking for. In your perspective, the part that matters. I, I like how the dominants are the sarcastic ones with this topic. Um, because we all get it at the end of the mm-hmm. day. We do. 
Well, and, and even, I mean, like, because of my unique perspective of being on both sides of it, right? Like, I will say, were there some things that I got out of being slave? Now, I don't. I don't want anybody to hear me talk about it and think that I'm dogging that time period of my life. Oh, definitely bad. Not. I'm not. Uh, if no, they I'm think not. That they need to go back to earlier episodes and actually pay attention. Um. Yeah, I mean, it was it was necessary for where I was at at the time. It right. fit my personality at the time. Um, but now, personality shifted, and it just doesn't work anymore. And part of it too is I've I've been very very fortunate to be around a lot of very dominant people that were secure. So I got to see that that security could be healthy. And I got to see what healthy communication could look like. And some of those frameworks that really actually did well and functioned well. I was also able to see very quickly. Those were not for me. Yeah. Which was, that was very pivotal in my own journey, which was great, you know, but now, I mean, I, to this day, like I know, I know a lot of women, will call themselves master whatever and it just i have i have a hang up with that word now and I so you will that. hear me most often refer to myself as just a dominant you know i don't even really use domain much anymore um i'll just say dominant and because i don't feel like i have to separate myself from the men folk i'm on equal footing with the men folk sometimes better um but it doesn't you know, need to be a gender charged word it's not it's for me it's not i i think for some people it does need to be gender charged because they need that i'm just not one of them oh and i understand that and there's nothing that is absolutely valid as well and i understand there's still a need for it in places whether we like it or not it mm -hmm. just is what it is i personally don't feel need for it but that's because i've never seen it as different for myself but that's a mm -hmm. personal perspective and i don't assume that means everyone else has it and that's Correct. okay too absolutely so I feel that this is a natural yes. wrap-up spot. I would say so. Yeah, I feel like we've. I'm content. I mean, if doing my own check-in, I feel goes, content. There you go. No, absolutely. I think we're absolutely covered the gamut. Honestly, if anyone wants to know more than what we covered here, you know, Google really is your friend. And at this <laughs> point, you've been armed with enough basic information. If Google isn't your friend, I feel like you weren't listening. Mm -hmm. You know. I heard it said from uh, one of my regular podcasts recently that I, you know, I think people need to bring back the idea that people can be stupid. <laughs> and it, it sounds terrible, but I really do believe that. I think that there's a need to acknowledge that sometimes people ain't using their brains. Simple as that. Sometimes people need to fail to be able to be if shown. I've handed that you wasn't a correct. toolbox, a craftsman toolbox full of shit, and you're still trying to hit the nail with a fucking screwdriver. The problem isn't me or the hey, lack you know of what? So, <laughs> I don't like that analogy. I don't like that analogy because I, mean, okay, I fair, a stereotypical I, girl that doing my own home improvement will often use the wrong tool because it's handy. I mean, I'm not <laughs> arguing. I, 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 I get where you're coming from too. And don't get me wrong. Like I can't argue with the fact that Syria actually is the handy one around the house. Not because I can't be, but she actually enjoys it, so she wants to. Like she will exactly. actively kick me out of the room and be like, I got this. I'm not allowed to hang to pictures. It. She enjoys it. So I'm like, you know what? I'm okay with you taking that if that's what you really want to do. I ain't gonna argue. Mm 
And she she okay. absolutely does it on the point. She'll do research, all of that good shit. But no, I don't get me wrong. I have absolutely jury ring shit with whatever comes to hand. I understand <laughs> that too. So maybe not the best analogy. <laughs> let's let's use using a can of Coke to bash in a nail probably isn't a good idea. Oh, yeah. That works a Ooh, bit better. Right. That goes way out into messy the blue. too. You got it. It's messy too. I like it. Right. Like <laughs> if you're using a can of Coke to bash a nail into the right spot, I think you probably need to check yourself a little bit. <laughs> There's other problems there. Well, especially if someone just turned around to you and said, "Hey, that's really not the way you want to do that here." And you just <laughs> go with it anyway. The problem isn't the other person or the mm. lack of information. The problem is you chose. Yes. And that's it, it was a long way to say it, but it's it's the same concept of we handed you the toolbox. Mm -hmm. If you can't pick it up and use it. I, I don't know what to tell you. I help you. <laughs> Maybe this isn't the right path for you. And I don't <laughs> say that. I don't say that lightly or misingenuously. Mm. Like, I really don't. Because God knows I want everybody to enjoy themselves. So. But no, I think we've absolutely covered everything that should be needed for this. Um, thank you, everybody who's listening in the chat, as always. Because whether it's humor, hilarity, good points, you know, it's always worth it. And that's why we do it, is we like hearing where people are coming from, etc. Mm -hmm. For the people who will listen to this after it's broadcast... Thank you also, because you're literally the reason we do this, is so you can hear it. You know, despite the fact that Woody likes to joke about the fact that I like hearing my own voice, I don't really. Um, and situational. I'm not a fan of my own voice, not because I hate it. I don't really care that much. I really don't. That's why it's amusing. But uh, anybody who needs to said it a thousand times, but I'll say it again. The Fet, Discord, I have the same handle in every godforsaken medium you can get me on, even fucking TikTok these days. If you can't get a hold of me, what the hell are you trying to use? Right. Because I have bad news for you. Rotary phones don't work anymore. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they do in some places, but it's not going to help you here. It's different. There you go. It does not connect to the interwebs. There you go. Correct. There you go. Yeah, I got nothing else. Any final thoughts? Oh, I'm good. Sounds lovely to me. All <laughs> right. Thank you all for coming. Thank you for the people who will listen later and have a wonderful rest of y'all's day. Bye.